Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. We are the Satellite Sisters. Welcome to our show. It is April 19th. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in Santa Monica, California with two of my sisters. Monica Dolan, you're in Portland, Oregon. How's everything up there? Great. Beautiful weekend. Wonderful. You know, now that you have an iPhone, you're on my celebrity sighting text oh, distribution yes, list. Yes. Normally, I used to just text Leon and Sheila here in L.A., but you got a good one for me last night, right? Yeah, Liz. Oh, I can't pronounce his name, but I know who he is. Alejandro Inaritu spotted him on Montana Avenue last night. Ooh, I thought that was a pretty good one. Yes, Julie. So was you carrying his Oscar statuette? <laughs> no, but he just is a super handsome guy, like very charismatic, handsome guy, even just standing around on the street. So this is Julie Dolan in, uh, in Dallas, Texas. How's everything there? It's delightful, Liz. The big D is delightful. Okay. Um, Liz, uh, speaking of celebrity sighting texts, yes. now that I'm in your loop, I'm enjoying them, but obviously you have a lot more celebrities in your neighborhood than I do. Yes. But um, I had an unusual sighting in my backyard. I had a bunny rabbit. Oh, nice. <laughs> For the first time ever. Little hippity-hoppity bunny in the backyard. Who, really? I, I was going to text you about that. I'm- <laughs> I, did you, I Monica, would have enjoyed did that. You, Monica, did you catch him? Did you trap him? <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't trap him. I didn't even get a picture of him. I just you know, I have a lot of squirrels running around back there, but this was definitely a bunny because it was hopping away. It was yeah. very cute. I I I saw it as a good omen for yeah. the week. <laughs> I'm surprised you've never had a bunny before, but nope. but that is that is nice. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Sheila is not with us today. She just wasn't available. And Leon, as you already know, if you follow Leon on Facebook or on Twitter, Leon is at the World Robotics Championship with her son, Colin, whose team, the Brobots, is is competing. I'm sure you guys have seen the messaging. I I love the pictures Mm -hmm. of the competitors. Yes. Uh, uh, It is... It's a world of geek there, Liz. Uh, but it looks like they're they're all very enthusiastic, very serious about the competition. Yes, yes. She noted on Twitter today that these these kids really let their freak flag fly. So that's and she has the photos to back that up. So there are some good costumes, uh, some very interesting overall team looks. Uh, she gave a special award on Twitter to the team from Bahrain because their booth or whatever they're called had the best snacks. They seem to be really trying to win the Sheila Dolan affection uh, award by just having snacks for everyone that came by. Gosh, it seems like Leon's been there for 10 days. I mean, she just is like, God bless Leon. I know. She seems to. Oh, and she used it because she's in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, which is where the World Championships is. She visited Churchill Downs to see the, uh, the ponies working out. That looked like that was fun, too. Yeah. Looks like a very deluxe place to be if you're a horse. That yeah. Churchill Downs. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I was thinking about Colin and the Brobots and, uh, you know, what they build for, uh, for this competition. And I was thinking, to me, the most fascinating thing in the news this week was um, something I may ask Colin to build me. The gyrocopter. (laughs) (laughs) That was amazing, wasn't it? Okay, that was amazing on so many levels, Julie. First of all, just gyrocopter. uh, Okay, so you got the gyrocopter painted out to look like a U.S. mail delivery. Okay, that is amazing. (laughs) That is, I don't know where you even go from that. But then somehow he manages, this guy, to get in under the radar and land at the U.S. Capitol. Was anyone else surprised by that? I mean, he pierced the the whole security system in the Capitol. Yeah. I mean, he just went right through that. I mean, he exposed a weakness that it was was so amazing and frightening at the same time. Yeah. Because I mean, he was just delivering messages, uh, but somebody else with could have uh, been delivering something else. Yes. 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 And nobody had. I mean, that the fact that. 
that you could just do that. And somehow he knew that he could just fly his gyrocopter in. Yeah. Although I did hear his friend say he was prepared to die. He was he feels so strongly about this campaign finance reform. He was prepared to die in his gyrocopter. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I hate to be harsh, but that is giving him too much credit. I think if you fly a gyrocopter into restricted airspace over the U.S. Capitol, you're not only putting yourself at risk, you're putting a lot of other people at risk, too. Yeah, sure. I think that's crazy. Honestly, I hate to sound harsh. If they had shot that guy out of the sky, I wouldn't have minded one bit. I just, (laughs) but that is not really my point. My point is gyrocopter. Uh, that looks like an excellent way to get around. And I was thinking in about, LA, you know, in I LA, exactly. Luke. Like just like from, I could take off from my front lawn here in Santa Monica and land in front of my office in Century City in mere minutes. That would be a, why my fundamental, why aren't there more gyrocopters in the sky? It seems like a pretty, pretty good way to get around. Yes, I, it seems like there are no air restrictions whatsoever. You can no, just right, uh, right. I mean, I am near Santa Monica Airport, so I would have to be careful about not getting in a flight path. But anyway, when the robots come home, uh, win or lose at the World Championships, I think that their next project should be a gyrocopter. Yeah. I think that that would be. You know, Colin is sixteen. You know. He doesn't have a car yet. Maybe he needs to skip right over the car to the gyrocopter. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's, that's a good one, Liz. Cars yeah. are so 20th century. Yes, we we thought by now we would have flying cars, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't. But what? we have gyrocopters. Yeah. Or at least that's what I found out this week. So gyrocopters exist. That's a thing. Um, okay. Well, as you know, this week I uh, took a couple of days and went to... Las Vegas for, <laughs> for for your first time too. Well, right? my first time in a long time. I oh. I have never been to Las Vegas voluntarily. That's what I've said. That I've been but I haven't been there in like 20 years, Julie. And the you know, anytime I ever went to Las Vegas, it was for a trade show of some kind. Uh and the so I haven't been there in a while. But this year the New Media Expo, which is what the podcast awards are part of, that combined forces with the National Association of Broadcasters, which is a huge trade show, and it was all happening in Vegas. And uh, Leon has represented us at past New Media Expos, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. So she she went the last couple of years, I think. But Leon was booked with the, the robots on the East Coast. So I decided to uh, represent uh, for the Satellite Sisters. And so just got a little trip report here because people, you know, on the Satellite Sisters Facebook page and on the Facebook group, they were, uh, they were asking about that. So I'm going to give you my trip report. And then later on in the show, Monica is bringing back Science of the Obvious, one of our all-time favorite Satellite Sister segments, so looking forward to that. Julie, you're still on Putin Watch, right? So you have an installment on Putin Watch. Yes, yes. Monica, more new science on exercise? Mm -hmm. Okay. Is is the conclusion that we don't need to do it? Because that would be good. No. That is not the conclusion. That is not the conclusion. (laughs) Ah, then I'm going to share a story that was in the LA Times today. Uh, in their mind and body section. This is called Feeling the Pinch. And it's basically how Spanx can kill. Uh, That compression clothing uh, does present some health risks, sisters. So we're going to want to know all about that. Uh, Julie, you've got a a hairdresser situation. Right. I think my hairdresser is trying to break up with me, but it's caught in this situation that could only happen in Dallas, Texas. And I'll explain what I mean. Okay. Monica, you've got a neighborhood situation. Yes. I'm calling it what's going on in my world, my little world. It's it's more than just bunnies. Because <laughs> just bunnies would be nice, right? <laughs> if that was the biggest issue going on in your world, bunnies. Uh, and Julie's going to tell us about the movie Woman in Gold. And I'm very curious to hear about that. So, okay, here we go. Highlights and lowlights at Las Vegas, in Las Vegas. Um, okay, highlight. I'm trying to balance the highlights and the lowlights here because I think I gave the impression uh, in the Facebook group that it was only lowlights. 
I would say this. Yes. yes I would say was... that the lows were lower than the highs, but uh, <laughs> for the purposes of this report, let me just balance it out. Okay. A major high, a major highlight of the trip was just the road trip quality of it. So Corny Cole, who was Satellite Sisters' original executive producer at ABC Radio, she was available to come with me, and she also offered to drive. And it's about four hours from here to uh, Las Vegas. And uh, so we road tripped it. And I got to say, that was super fun. I just drove to Corny's in Burbank. We threw my stuff in the back of her car. She put the top down because, you know, Corny's always been all about the convertible. And we hit the road with the top down going to Vegas. So would you ever have expected that of me? No. No. So... (laughs) That's was a, that fun? It was that fun to do? I mean, oh just yeah, as, it was totally fun as an activity. Is yeah. that something like if I get a chance to rent a car, should I rent a convertible and drive it with the top down to Las Vegas? Well, it gets a little hot about halfway there, and you're going to want to stop <laughs> and put the top back up during the part of the trip that is called Death Valley. Um, yeah, because you're out there in the Mojave Desert. Leon had said to me, why would you drive? It's just the ugliest drive. I actually found it very soothing. I enjoyed the drive. I think it's because I spent so much time on airplanes. I enjoyed the drive because I knew I was not on an airplane. Okay. And that's part of what made it so pleasurable. But also a lot of catch-up time with Corny, which I needed and enjoyed. And then when we got there, we also had some catch-up time with Longtime friends of Satellite Sisters, and all of our longtime Minnesota listeners will know Ian and Marjorie Punnett. They were both there. You guys know Ian and Marjorie. Yes, of course. That must have been a great reunion, Liz. It was super fun. We had a dinner one night. Well, first there was a party in this poolside cabana that was part of our, like, free ticket. And, uh, again, so now you're at poolside in Vegas. Those pools are not exactly designed for, you know, there's no, um, Diana Nyad is not training in those pools. <laughs> they're more like. You won't find Sheila doing her lap swimming there? No. no. I think they're designed for 20-something, scantily clad, tattooed 20-somethings to kind of stand around in with drinks in their hands. I think that's okay. the. That's the approach of the pool. Anyway, the poolside cabana was nice. Then we had a delightful dinner together. They are so fun to talk to. For those of you who uh, listen to our show on FM 107 in uh, in Minnesota, you know that Ian and Marjorie were the morning show there for years, and they're great. So, okay, so number one, road trip, friendship aspect, highlight. That was a highlight. Number two. I told you in last week's show that I was going to go to the – that I got tickets to the uh, Cirque du Soleil show Love with all the Beatles yes. music. Oh, yeah. How was that? The best thing I have ever seen in my entire life, Julie. Only that. Really? No, really? honestly. Honestly. That, that's quite a, an endorsement. Lady. It no, is. You've with. seen a lot of things in your entire life. I have seen a lot of things. But this, for the sheer spectacle of it – it blew my mind. I mean, first of all, you're starting with the best soundtrack you could ever imagine, right? So, right. you know, we we are part of the Beatles generation. We grew up with Beatles music. It's sort of the soundtrack of our lives. So imagine there's that. And then, Monica, you and I have been to Cirque du Soleil. Oh, Cirque du Soleil is fascinating. It is. It's just so beautiful what they do. Julie, have you ever seen a Cirque yes, du Soleil? I, yes, I yeah. have. Okay, and it's so, very entertaining. Okay, so you start with the best soundtrack ever. And then it explodes with this this visual artistry that really you're spending every second trying to figure out where to look because there's so many beautiful things to be seeing. At the end of the whole show, Corny said, I feel like I need to watch that a hundred more times. That's the way of like, there is so much going on. The combination of music and art and dance and fantasy and you name it, it's in there. It was really, it, it blew my mind. It was just, it was one of the most spectacular things I've ever seen. I don't even know what to compare it to because it's so, as a, as a spectacle, you know, it goes beyond anything I've ever seen. Olympics closing ceremony. Exactly. It could be. Yeah, something on that yes, scale. Yes. Could be. Uh, it's on that scale. And yep. yet the sheer artistry of it goes beyond any of that because the music is so transporting. Mm-hmm. And then the visual interpretation of that. And at one point I was like, 
how many wigs are there in this show? They're just the costumes, <laughs> the wigs, the staging itself, the engineering of it. The you're, It's a theater in the round, and but it's totally engineered. So, like, many times during the show, the whole center of the stage lowers, fills with something, and comes back up. And so that's how they're changing the sets over and over again. And then, of course, because you've got the Cirque aspect of it, trapeze artists are coming down from the sky. There are uh, skateboarders in furry boots. There, I, I like just the, just costumes alone. I would love to see what that show looks like backstage when it's happening. Could, hmm. Because for the number of people that are on stage, they must have twice that number of people backstage, just getting all of the performers in and out of the amazing, gorgeous costumes. So, um, yeah, it just yeah. makes me want to get in the car and drive to Vegas to see the show, Liz. <laughs> I, I, I would go so far as to say it would be worth the trip. Um, oh, oh, okay. Except for some of the lowlights, which you would just have to figure out how to, how, how to okay. avoid. So we've got we've had some two solid highlights. Two solid highlights. One, okay. the third highlight um, is just the the community of podcasters. I feel like this is kind of our adult version of Leon's weekend at the robotics competition, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, we put a lot of time and effort and heart into doing this podcast, right? Yes, we do. And there are um, a lot of other people who feel the same way about the shows that they create. Some of them are like big, successful productions. Others are very personal and much smaller. So at New Media Expo, you kind of get a mix of all of that. You tend to get more of the people that are just purely on the personal passion side than, you know, like the big, like Sarah Koenig from Serial. I didn't really see her there. Uh, she might have been there. <laughs> she Maybe was, she just went to the Cirque Soleil show list. She might you know, have. She, she might have. might went back to that. But, Julie, here is a super special moment with the community of podcasters. A guy came up to me. His name is Matt Cox. Mm-hmm. And he said, are you one of the Satellite Sisters? And I said, yes. He said, I want you to know that I used to live in Moscow and I was very lonely there. And my mother at home in California kept trying to cheer me up. And she heard your show on the radio. I assume she heard it on KABC. Mm -hmm. And the fact that your sister lived in Moscow she would tape your show every week and send it to me so that I could hear all of the things your sister Julie was saying about life in Russia because she thought that would really cheer me up just to know that there was another person there, but who was, you know, finding ways to enjoy it. So Matt, most of all, wanted to send his best to you, Julie Dolan. Oh, well, that's a very nice story, Liz. Yes, yes, it was. That's what I mean. That was a highlight. And his podcast... Uh, he was nominated for a prize in the history category. Uh, it's called Brunch with the Brits, hosted by Matt Cox. And I checked it out when I got home. Basically, it's old-time British radio, like old BBC serials, like the Forsyth Saga and shows like that, which somehow he has the rights to. I'm not sure exactly what his arrangement is. But basically, he introduces his podcast audience to old-timey radio um, across all kinds of, you know, British comedies, British dramas, sort of British chat shows. But it's old-timey radio that he calls Brunch with the Brits. And anyway, he was a pleasure to meet, and he gave me five little envelopes. Each one has a business card in it and a Twining's breakfast tea, English breakfast tea. And he, he wanted to make sure that I got one to each of the sisters. That's why he gave me five. So, that is delightful. Liz. So you know I am not going to do that. I am never <laughs> going to get around to mailing these to you. So, so it's just go buy our own Twining's Go tea buy box. your own English breakfast tea. Put it in the trunk of your car, Liz. Exactly. It's going with the mail, in the mail room, trunk of my car. The next time you're here, just remind me that I'm holding this for you because really doesn't seem like that's going to be a project I'm going to get to anytime soon, going to the post office and mailing you each a tea bag. But it was very nice of Matt to share. So, so, okay. So that was, those are my, those are my highlights. Like the, the road trip, 
the Beatles and the general community of podcasters. Um, so now the lowlights. I got to say, one of my lowlights generally is Las Vegas. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's not, it's, your, it's not it's, your town. It's just not my town. It is yeah. so noisy. It's so noisy. It is like being inside a pinball machine. Uh, <laughs> and I know there are places you can go that are not that way, but I was not in any of those places. So I just think the if I were ever to try it again, I'd have to find those those getaways, those quieter spots. But uh, I was not uh, not successful doing that. Um, number number two, I got to say, uh, the actual podcast awards under under delivered a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that. I say that to our listeners. I know many of you out there spent a lot of time voting for us. And we are incredibly grateful for yes. that. And so we appreciate that. So that makes us feel great. But I think, I think what we love about podcasts is that you can listen to so many different kinds of shows and hosts and subjects, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's just amazing how the selection of podcasts has exploded over the last few years. We've been doing this for a long time, but really now there's just so much new content coming out in podcasts. I think it's great. However, what, for, what surfaced at the podcast awards, both the, you know, the people that won and the people that did the show, it was more of what I would call the morning zoo of podcasting. You know, mm-hmm. the, it was the, the morning zoo subset, um, seemed to be kind of winning the day from a sort of the raunchier, the better. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Shock, shock, shock. Yeah. 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 So, um, on a podcast. What? But on a podcast. Yeah. Shock, shock radio. Yeah, but- so that's, you know, where there are really no limits, but anyway, so the host was the, the, the show was hosted by two people whose names I will not even repeat, but one of them is a professional wrestler and the other one one has a podcast about sex. So they wrote a lot of their own comedy and whatever their skill set is, I would just say that writing and performing comedy is not it. So, um, so there was that and they felt free. And again, we didn't go there to collect a prize, right? We, we were in the category with cereal. We knew we we weren't going to win, but the the hosts felt really free to mock a lot of the nominees, which I think is never really that nice to do. Uh, and they took special time to mock any nominees or shows that they thought were highbrow. So Serial, Invisibilia, Radio Lab that they kept calling Radio Math Lab, all, all of that kind of stuff. It sounds classy, Liz. It was classy, exactly. A real highbrow show. Okay. And because of the combination of hosts, there was a lot of adult material. So Beckett Graham, you know, one of the history chicks, they were nominated in the history category. And Beckett had deputized me that if by any chance, oh, they were in the, I'm sorry, they were in the education category. Um, Beckett had deputized me, like, in the wild event that History Chicks won, I was supposed to accept her award. Uh, But she was watching at home on the live stream with her son, Jet, who was 10. And she said the opening material was so blue that they had to turn it off. She could not not watch it with her 10-year-old son. But I think that the, um, uh, the section that, the moment that really sort of crystallized it all for us. So it was Courtney and I and Ian and Marjorie all, all sitting together when they brought up the education category and the word education was spelled wrong on the screen. <laughs> I just really Oops. thought, I thought Ian Punnett's head was going to explode. Just snorted. So we were at that point. Yes, Monica, there was <laughs> nothing but snorting. Um, and we were not alone. I would say two thirds of the audience, I would classify them as aghast the entire time. So, uh, okay. So that was number two. That was kind of a low light that the actual awards, you know, I just feel like podcasting has really turned a corner in so many way. And there's so much good material and so many, you know, different kinds of things than what we do, which is what I, why I listen to many, to so many and love it. And this actual moment, which could have celebrated that kind of missed that moment. So, um, so that's number two. And number three is, Courtney and I decided to walk home from the awards back to our hotel, which really wasn't that far, except 
this apocalypse kicked up <laughs> while we were doing it. It was really the true sign of number two that everything we had just seen, that the earth was completely off its kilter. This giant sandstorm blew up on our way home. And we barely made it the three long blocks. Like, even the next day, Corny still had, like, grit in her eye that she could not get out. So um, the next morning, I noticed on our Facebook group that Rebecca had asked. She's like, I know you're in Las Vegas. I heard there was that crazy sandstorm there last night. So I posted a photo there as a response to Rebecca's question um, that Corny and I actually took when we were getting blown away. So, um apocalyptic sandstorm would be number three <laughs> low light of my low light that's a low light liz yeah. yes but that's sandstorms it. are not fun at all yes no that's... no thank god we were we were only going three blocks it was yeah. crazy time and, to get out of vegas exactly it was the sign we needed we were even going to stick around for the, the whole next day, <laughs> but after the sand, <laughs> after the sandstorm, we were like, "We better get out of here." So yeah, we drove home with the top up just to avoid any sandstorm situations. Uh, anyway, so it was on some levels a very fun trip, on other levels different than what I expected. Um, but you know, it's. Uh, it was a learning experience. It was well, Liz, that's a very adult uh, report <laughs> that I think you worked very hard on to modulate your comments. I did. I did. Because, yes. I, you know, I don't want to be a downer, and it really wasn't no. about – and it's not, it's not about podcasting or about winning or losing or any of that. It's more like the idea that there's this community around this thing, and we all work hard on what we do at a moment that's supposed to kind of be yay for all of us kind of became – a put down of most of us. That's the part that, you know, but, well, but luckily I think the choice is clear. Don't you, Monica? I think Corny Cole and Liz Dolan to need, to host, need, need to produce next year's show. It's very yeah. clear. Well, I think Ian Punnett is still so outraged that he was going to go directly to the management of the National Association of Broadcasters to, <laughs> to file some sort file of complaint. A- yeah. File a complaint. Anyway. Um, but there you have it. Again, thanks for everyone that voted for us for the podcast awards. I'll, I'll just give you this preview. You don't need to do that next year. Okay? That's, <laughs> that is not a good use. That's not a good use of your time. So we, we learned that now. A much better use of your time. Whenever you hear a show of ours that you like, uh, just share it with your own friends or review it on iTunes. If, the, if you want to put your, your emotional energy somewhere in your supportive Satellite Sisters, I think now we know exactly what it is. Anyway, so, so that's my report. Well, that's, it's a uh, very thorough report, Liz. And mm-hmm. I appreciate hearing that comment about Matt because I, I did live, live in Russia and that – brings us to our one of the other news items that came up this week. And it's in my I'm watching you, Mr. Putin department. Uh, I don't know if you saw this news story about the American film called Child 44. It stars Tom Hardy and Gary Oldman. Oh, wow. But, I love both of them, but I haven't yes, heard of okay. this. Yes, okay. So, but, uh, and it was supposed to open in Moscow, in Russia, but the uh, cultural ministry has banned the movie. They said it is inappropriate, that it's a distortion of facts, um, that it is, uh, you know, and it's and they're not going to show it in Moscow. But the main reason is because it makes Stalin look bad, which oh. is really kind of a scary thing, that, that, that in some way Russia is now trying to um, restore Stalin's reputation. And now let's just keep in mind that Stalin was responsible for the murder of millions of people, okay? Mm-hmm. But, and why we need to restore his reputation, I'm not uh, certain. But uh, And Julie, is- I remember when we visited you in Moscow, <laughs> that was your refrain kind of the whole time we were there. You just kept reminding us about Stalin and mm-hmm. how many people he had murdered. and mm-hmm. when, So you just wanted us to keep that in mind. I know. I think it's one of the things that I really, I read a lot about when I was there. And the more I read about it, the worse it got. And so, yes, you know, I think everyone like Hitler, okay, he's bad. We know that. But nobody's trying to rehabilitate Hitler though. Right. 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 But, but the fact that they're trying to rehabilitate Stalin or that this movie 
um, because it kind of shows it's it's about a serial killer. So I, it's not a really a movie I I, I, I would want to see. But now, of course, I'm going to go see it uh, because because it's banned in Russia. Um, but it, it it sort of the cover up of the serial killer. It talks about the corruption in the government. And I guess they they don't want that. So when we were there. Weren't they even taking down Stalin statues at that point? Didn't you take us to that Garden of Fallen Idols or something? Where yes, they were all they're like a- Lenin and Stalin statues were just laying on the ground because they'd removed them from everywhere. Yes, that was one of that was one of the highlights of my tour yes. of Moscow. <laughs> I always had it on my on my list because I thought it was so fascinating. At the fall of the Soviet Union, they had all these statues of Lenin and, and Stalin hanging around, and so they took them down. But rather than destroy them, they sort of put them all in this garden in the center of Moscow. And so uh, I, I, you know, I think it was an interesting sort of historic place to go. But now I think they're taking some of those statues out of that garden, Liz and Monica, and putting them back um, in public squares. Wow, that is scary. All right. So it's, I'm watching you, Mr. That's my report. (laughs) He's shaking in his boots. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Now moving on. Um, I have a a science of the obvious for you guys. Oh, good. Nice. This is a classic Monica Dolan segment. It's been a long time. And this is when science tells us something that we all know. (laughs) Um, So I read this in the New York Times this week. It was a very popular story. And I know you guys are both dog owners, so I think you will agree with this. Scientists said that the continuous loop of loving reinforcement between a dog and his owner may begin with the dog's gaze into his master's eyes. So it's all about your dog staring at you. So Japanese researchers they found that dogs who gazed into their owner's eyes had these elevated levels of oxytocin, which is sort of the feel-good hormone that's all tied to nurturing and attachment. And then when they tested the owners, they found that the owners also had high levels of oxytocin after the dogs were looking at them. So it's just a continuous love loop. (laughs) between between dogs and their owners that is so true that is so funny to say that monica just like not more than an hour ago i was sitting on the couch with ferris and we were just staring at each other He, he was just gazing lovingly at me and i was just you know looking back at him thinking i am so lucky to have you and i'm sure in his doggy brain he was thinking the same thing he was that's why he was locked into your gaze and your levels of oxytocin are through the roof right now <laughs> <laughs> through the roof through the roof um so it's just you know another it's just obvious dogs are good for your health now one of the scientists said um we don't really know what the dog's gaze mean Uh, But when you look at a human baby, it feels good. And maybe dogs gaze at you because it feels good. Maybe dogs are hugging you with their eyes. I always thought my dog was just gazing at me because he's hungry. (laughs) There are some thoughts about that too, Julie. Okay. Okay. There there are some thoughts that maybe they just want something for their (laughs) pet. Um, well, then why don't they just say so? That's what <laughs> I say that to her sometimes. Just tell me what you want. What is it that you are after here? Well, they're just after love, Liz. So it's the love loop. Dogs okay. Love this loop. is this was the lesson of Vegas. For as for as bad as it got in Vegas, Corny and I just kept turning to each other and saying, okay, what did we learn Sunday night? What did we learn at Cirque du Soleil? Here's what we learned. All you need is love. All you it, need is love. It's, that's true. Okay. Reinforcing that. And and a dog. I, personally, I don't have a dog. I don't have a dog anymore, but I have a cat, mm-hmm. and I think cats also gaze at you. And um, I think my cat's helping me a little bit there. So that was that. Now on to something uh, bigger. Well, I just you know I need a big kick in the butt these days to get exercising. I don't know something. I'm just in a complete rut. Um, I don't know what it is. But I just felt awful for the past couple of months, and I haven't been exercising regularly. So, you know, what do I do? I sit home and I read the paper, and I found <laughs> found this article, and I hope it's going to help me out. Uh, it was two new exercise studies that came out, and they tried to find what was the ideal dose of exercise for a long life. 
how okay. much exercise do you need for a long life? So here's the summary. The people who did no exercise at all were at the highest risk of having an early death. All right. That's pretty okay. obvious. Yeah, That's science pretty. of the obvious. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then those who exercised a little, a little meaning like 10 minutes a day, they lowered their risk of death by about 20%. That seems pretty good. The payoff seems good. It does seem pretty good. Now, those, the national guidelines for exercise are about 150 minutes per week. And the people that stuck to that did a little bit better than the group who just exercised a little. But they found the ideal time that you were supposed to exercise where you're going to get the most boost to longevity is 450 minutes a week. So that's a little bit more than an hour a day. And this was moderate exercise. They suggest many of the participants just did walking. So if you walk about an, a little more than an hour a, a day, the, the people in that group, you're 39% less likely to die a premature death. Okay. An hour a day. That's- an hour a day. Do you, um, that's a lot. Yeah, th- that's a commitment. Yeah, because that's where you have to be really steady. The Julie, you probably do that because you're very. I think I think the combination of walk. I we I do a lot of walking and then I do some other exercises. So I probably <laughs> going to say then you gazed into your dogs <laughs> and then I gazed into my. <laughs> that's going to help with longevity too. Yes, so now... because I have those high oxytocin levels. So that's. Right. So, so, so I, now this is my goal, like an hour, I'm going to try for an hour a day and I'm going to try to do a half an hour a day when I'm at work, maybe not an hour all at once, but maybe if I can get in a half an hour walking at work, just walking around, getting up from my desk. Okay. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, to break it up. I mean, if you say you have to go exercise for an hour, that sounds like a lot, Monica, but if you... If you can break it up into chunks, do a half an hour here, you know, 15 minutes there, 15 minutes there. That's it. You can do that. Yeah, I can do it. Okay. That's inspirational, Monica. I need the inspiration okay. too, because, you know, I was, you know, deep into Operation Sea Turtle. Oh, man. Operation Sea Turtle has flopped. <laughs> For for listeners who don't know, Operation Sea Turtle, we were all very focused. Monica and Leon and I were all going to the Galapagos together over this past holiday season. So we were like swimming and working out and training and just getting ready to really be able to enjoy that active holiday as much as we could. And we totally did, didn't we? But then you just have that after effect of falling off the wagon. You're not, you don't have the, the end goal. And so um, it has been very hard for me to sustain too. But just last night I was back in the pool, Operation Sea Turtle. And it's just the craziest thing that when you do it, it feels so good. Right? No, it does. You feel so good afterwards. You just feel great. So the why I don't do things that actually make me feel great is I'm just going to have to gaze into my dog's eyes and see yes, if he knows the, the answer. answer to that. Because I don't know the answer to that. Uh, okay. So 400, well, an hour a day. Okay. Good goal. All right, Monica. That's a good goal. Good report. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, in the event that that doesn't show instant <laughs> success for you, I want to share what could happen at the other end of health risks, um, which is that Spanx can kill. Uh, this is from today's LA times. The title of the story is feeling the pinch compression clothing can help your figure and workout, but it has health risks if worn too long. So this is basically all of the super tight, whether it's Spanx or that CrossFit stuff that's out now, or the Lululemon running tights, whether they're see-through or not, that if you're wearing extra tight clothing for prolonged periods, there are a couple of things you need to watch out for. Um, the one that really stuck out to me, the first one is what is just titled <laughs> o- Ominous Tingling. Oh, no. <laughs> so, tingling. At your, at your extremities? Or yeah. just there? Where is, where's the tingling? Neurologists have long known about a condition called Moragis Parasthetica, which causes painful burning and tingling in the thighs. 
when there is too much pressure on nerves that run to the groin. So ominous tingling in your thighs. The condition is most common in pregnant women and people who gain weight quickly, ruh row, um, as their pants suddenly become too tight. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> so there's a doctor here who says every month or two she uh, sees a patient who is suffering from nerve pain due to shapewear. So uh, that was the most important. Um, and then there was just, you know, how uh, elite runners have started running those knee-high, wearing those knee-high compression socks. So people who shouldn't be wearing that probably are. And then the last one on the, a longer list is just tough to digest is the headline here. Putting pressure on the abdomen squeezes internal organs, which can push acid from the stomach into the esophagus. So I will not read any further, but there you go. I thought that was one of the benefits of compression clothing, actually. (laughs) Is that you eat less. (laughs) You just, yeah, but this is about the effect it has on what they call your plumbing. And uh, the um, tight clothes can also worsen the discomforts of... Irritable bowel syndrome and generally other other things that we won't go into in detail. So you probably, if you're looking for another motivation for the walking an hour a day or doing anything for 450 minutes, it's to avoid the ominous tingling. <laughs> Is that like the nervous leg syndrome? Uh-huh. Restless leg syndrome. Oh, restless leg syndrome. No, but, but ominous tingling. Woo. <laughs> Well, sisters, we've come to the po- point in the show where I-, I really need a judgment call. I need your advice uh, because okay. I suspect that I-, I suspect that my hairdresser is trying to break up with me. Now, you know, Sheila's talked many times on our podcast about how she has run away from her hairdressers or broken up. But I have a situation and it's just it's kind of a wild tale. So uh Here's what happened, that sometime after I got my hair cut in late December, um, the hair salon that I was going to, because I, I like the way this, this girl, Kristen, cuts my hair. So, the name of the hair salon is Salon Lucien. You know, it sounded mm. really fancy-dancy. Okay. <laughs> and let's just say the owners of, of this uh, uh, hair salon were Mr. and Mrs. Lucien, for purposes of this story. Okay. okay? Mm-hmm. So... I go get my hair cut one day and then boom, the hair, some, for some reason, the, the, the hair, the hair salon closes. Okay. And, and all of the hairdressers scatter. Okay. And there's no forwarding information. They don't have any, you know, they won't tell you where anyone has gone and it's just over. And so I didn't know like what had happened, but the backstory is that the the um, the salon was owned by Mr. and Mrs. Lucien, and Mr. Lucien it was is a real estate developer here in um, Dallas, and I guess he was very successful, um, so successful that at one point he had bought a twenty three carat diamond for investment purposes uh, that was valued at one point one million dollars, and that he would occasionally let Mrs. Lucien wear this twenty three carat diamond. Okay. Okay. This is fascinating. I'm really starting to wonder what this has to do with your haircut. Okay. So well, I'm going to get to this. You okay. totally have me on the hook with what, wherever this is going. Okay. So Mr. and Mrs. Lucien, in addition to being into real estate and diamonds, they were also plastic surgery enthusiasts. Oh. So they both went to the same plastic surgeon here in Dallas, a very prestigious plastic surgeon. And Mrs. Lucien and the plastic surgeon decided that they would write a book together, essentially, you know, better living through plastic surgery. It was called Navigate Your Beauty. And, and hair through, color. Through, 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 through Na- that. Sorry, what did you say? Navigate your beauty? Okay. Navigate your beauty through plastic surgery. Oh, yes, okay. it was li- literally about living the better life through plastic surgery. But somewhere along the line that Mrs. Lucien and the plastic surgeon, they started having an affair, okay? Oh, and okay. The plot the, thickens. The p- plot does thicken. And now the book is coming out. And in order to finance their book tour, it is alleged in court papers that Mrs. Lucien sold the 23-carat diamond 
um, to get some cash uh, from and and replaced the diamond with a cubic zirconian, so her husband wouldn't know that the diamond had been sold or was missing. Wow, this is quite a story. Yes, okay, okay. That's not have made her husband happy. No. <laughs> no, it wouldn't. So anyway, of course, you know, uh, divorced follows, you know, they have a big, you know, it's countersuits and this course, is yes. cheaper. Okay. And in the meantime, I need a haircut. Okay. And I cannot find my girl, but somehow I track her down. And so she has moved uh, to this, to this other salon and, but she's very mum about what had happened with Salon Lucien. I mean, and I mean, as you can imagine, it was the talk of the town about this uh, because you had the characters involved, but she yes. said nothing about that. And she has cut my hair twice, but again, she just moved and she didn't tell me where she was going. Oh, she's trying to ditch you. I think she's trying to ditch me, but she in fact has gone back to the same location where Salon Lucien was, which is now opened up under a different name. <laughs> Do not go back in there, Julie. I think you think I, that's I? I mean, on one hand, I just I feel like I don't want to be involved because of all the things that have happened there. But you know, I have a history, a long and and well documented history of really bad haircuts. Right? Yes, you do. Yeah. You no, know, you know, this is not. I have just my hair has been butchered, I, and so the fact that I found someone who cuts my hair well. I, I just, even though she, even though she's part of a major crime ring, it just seems like there's just a whole lot of drama there. Yeah, I mean, yes. you have to try to find your hairdresser every yes. eight months. Yes, that's she it. Can move somewhere else, then that does not gonna, sound convenient. No, it doesn't sound like she really wants me as a client. Would you say? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but maybe I should just, you know, just assume that. Uh, you know, because there was a lot of bad blood when they closed down the, the salon very fast, you know, that, you know, they weren't giving out, cl- you know, uh, passing on information to clients and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know. I think all hairdressers seem to live relatively unpredictable lives. That would just be my observation, <laughs> that it's not the steadiest of businesses. But this seems like a level beyond that. That just, I'm just worried about some kind of crime spree, some... People busting into the salon in the middle of one of your haircuts and then things going terribly wrong from there. So uh, there's got to be a better way. There's That would be my recommendation. Monica, do you feel the same? Yeah, I do. It just, just, it's too much trouble. You have to find her every week. You need to get on Yelp and get someone new. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's okay. hard, though. We, it is hard. We've discussed this hard. many times. It's hard to change hairdressers. Okay. Usually hairdressers hunt you down. Yeah. I know, Monica. That's so why. They, they, the minute they leave a salon, they start calling you and sending you secret messages, little postcards in the mail, where they've gone. So the fact that she isn't doing that every time she moves, I don't know. Something suspicious there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Okay. All right. That's my story there. <laughs> so, Monica, you had your own drama, right? Uh, oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it's called What's Going On in My World. Uh, I don't know if I need your advice. I'm just going to lay out what's happening. Uh, the house next door to me, many you guys know that house. Yes. So that's been abandoned for over a year. And it's in complete disrepair. Really, it was in complete disrepair like five years ago. Uh, The backyard is just a big jungle of blackberries. There's a big hole in the roof. There's a blue tarp over it, and the tarp keeps blowing off. It's just a huge eyesore. So all of these rumors were going around that it was sold to a developer. And those rumors are true. So the house was sold to a developer, and he plans to level the place just tear it down and he's going to put up a giant giant two-story craftsman style house that is going to fill the entire lot this is one of my worst nightmares come true i'd almost rather have the abandoned house (laughs) so i was secretly hoping that this wouldn't happen just because nothing's happened over there for a year. I was secretly hoping someone might just come in and remodel the bathrooms, you know, (laughs) all of the day. But I got a note from him 
uh, last week. He put a note in my front door and he said he wanted to come over and talk to me about the plans for the demolition and the construction of the new house. And oh boy. So he came over. Um, we, we looked around a bit. He's very nice. Uh, but he, he kept, when he showed me the plans for the house, I wish you could have seen my face. Oh, I'm sure, Monica. Very unhappy. Very unhappy. Sad face. Because Sad it's face. Because it's so big. And your concern is, what, that they'll be looking down into your super private, beautiful backyard? Yeah. I mean, yeah. my backyard's not beautiful, but it's my sanctuary. So yeah. now there's going to be a two-story house there. And you're right, looking right into my backyard. Although I was happy the garage for the house was going to be on my side of the house. Mm -hmm. So at least there'd be like the garage buffer. <laughs> so he kept explaining how, oh, they, they made a hipped roof and kind of softened the whole look. I was like, it's not going to be soft. You know, it's going to be three times the size of any other house in the neighborhood. It's, it's going to stand out. Um, so we walked around. He wanted to look at the trees in my backyard because I have a lot of big trees. And I understand there are trees on my fence line that hang over onto the other property. And I know that those can be trimmed. Those, you know, I know that's that's his right. And I expect them to do that. I just don't want him to cut down the trees, mm -hmm. you know, because they're on my property line. Then he talked about I have a fence there and then I have a big overgrown tree. He wants to take down the fence and take out the tree on my property so he can put up a new fence, which will be shorter than the fence that is already there. Mm -hmm. And I just want to tell you, I did not commit to that. <laughs> Good for you, Monica. Hold the stick, line, Monica. Stick to your non-guns. Yes, stick to your not committing. Yes. The, so what, what's your concern? The, is it the tree or is it the height of the fence? Monica? Oh, no, we just lost Monica. Oh, no. Hang on. Let me let me open up the controls here again. We're going to... Monica? Let me add her here. Okay, we're calling Monica back. Monica? Yeah, I'm back. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I was just asking you, like the when last we heard, the is your issue getting rid of the tree or is it the height of the new fence or is it just the total, I want nothing to do with this guy thing? Uh, it's a little bit of all three. I just don't know that I want a shorter fence put up and the tree that I use as my main screen into their backyard cut mm -hmm. down. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't commit to it, Liz. Mm -hmm. I said, well, we'll just talk about that when the time comes. He said, well, we won't take down the fence until after we've done all the construction, which leads me to the fact that it's going to be four months of beautiful weather here in Portland and four months of construction. That's exactly that right. That is a drag. That is, that a drag. is really a drag. It is. I was like, why couldn't you have started in November when everyone was inside? I know, but it's raining and they can't, you know, that's hard for them to do that. You know, they want to work in the good weather. Oh, he, Monica. Funny is that he was there talking to me and showing me the plans of the house. And then the neighbors on the other side came out and they are like, yippity, skippity, just cut down all the trees and put up a huge house. We can't wait for you to start. They were like overly enthusiastic for this whole thing. And on the other side, Sad face, Monica. <laughs> <laughs> well, Monica, I would, I would just remember that everything in this scenario is a negotiation. So he just told you that's his first offer is here's right. what I want to do. If you want, if he's going to take down, wants to take down the tree, but you need him to put up some other kind of screen, some other planting, you should demand that. If he wants to change the fence, but you want it to be taller, you should demand that. It's not a take it or leave it situation. Yeah, you're right. You're right, Liz. And that that's what I thought about after he left. I don't need to agree to everything. It's right. my house. Yes. And right. he's the one coming in and building the monstrosity next door. I mean, I know. Right, and make him pay for what you want. Right. He's going to do it. He's a developer. Yeah. He's going to try to sell the house for like a million dollars. 
which is about a million dollars more than any other house in the neighborhood is worth. <laughs> Good luck. No, but he's built four other houses. He's done four other houses in our neighborhood. So I've had a chance to scrutinize all of them. They're big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what people want, big new houses. And it's a shame because they go into older, mature neighborhoods you know, and that's, they just knock down, you know, knock down the rancher, rancher houses and, you know, put up these giant houses and, right. and it I ruins, know. it ruins the quality of the neighborhood because. I know that everyone says it will increase the property values, blah, 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 but whatever. <laughs> that's just not what turns you on. <laughs> no. Monica, I think you're going to have to, yeah, you're going to have to spend a lot of time at the gym. Well, because you're not going to find peace and quiet in your backyard this summer. So I am not. He said they're allowed to work on Saturdays. I was like, Saturdays too? He said, yeah, till six o'clock. Oh, oh wow. Oh, okay. Ooh. Get ready for some complaining. Anyone, <laughs> anyone have any suggestions about strategies for getting through this i think you should uh, um appoint liz your legal representative and uh and liz just remember this everything is a negotiation i'm writing that down liz okay yes the well you know somebody posted something funny on the facebook group monica just has nothing to do with your situation but will make you laugh because they posted a video it's a youtube called everyone's upstairs neighbors have you ever watched this oh gosh i saw that that was hilarious it's funny yes this was uh shelly ann posted on our (laughs) facebook group and it's like your worst nightmare about what your upstairs neighbors are doing so it's sort of it's comparable to your situation and it will at least make you smile the uh julie you got to watch it it's just okay uh, i haven't seen that but i'm definitely going to check it out yeah shelly ann posted in the facebook group because you know we've talked about my upstairs downstairs noise situation here before so she was inspired when she saw that to uh to share it with me okay well good luck monica we're here for you um all right well let's end on a highlight and i have a recommendation for you sisters because You know, I, I know you probably, you know, it's Saturday, you know, maybe you want to go out or Sunday, you have a plan. And the, and the list of movies that are out this weekend, there's not good. It's like Fast and Furious, um, or Mall Cop 2, you know, which, <laughs> but I really want to recommend, even though it didn't get like the strongest, uh, reviews, I want to recommend w- Woman in Gold. This is, I went, my husband and I went to see this movie and there, people were crying in the movie and clapping at the end. It, really? it's, it's that kind of movie. People were sobbing behind me. And then at the end of the movie, people stood up and were clapping and cheering. It is really a fine movie. It's good storytelling. Of course, it's based on the true story of Maria Altman, um, who was a Jewish refugee and she takes on the Austrian government in order to recover a piece of artwork that was oh, in her family. Movie. Oh, with Helen Mirren. Yes, Helen Mirren is wonderful in it. And um, and so I just, I would totally recommend this movie. It's, 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 it's a wonderful tale, well told, uh, starring Helen Mirren and Ryan Reynolds. So, uh, and, right. and Katie Holmes, little Katie Holmes is in this movie as well. She is? All yes. Right. Yeah, I, I, I was like, whoa, what's Katie Holmes doing in the movie? There she is. She's well, fine in it. Fine. It's funny, you know, the movie was developed from a book called The Lady in Gold, The Extraordinary Tale of Gustav Klimt's Masterpiece, mm-hmm. and um, written by a woman named Anne-Marie O'Connor. And the reason I know that is because I think I've told you guys in the past about my ill-fated book club, where yes, like yes. every book that we picked always seemed like incredibly ponderous and obscure. And it was just... Anyway, Anne-Marie O'Connor was in my book club. And so she, she'd been a journalist her whole life. She was living in LA at the time, which is how she ended up in my book club. But before that, she had covered the civil wars in Nicaragua and El Salvador. And she was a Central American bureau chief there for Reuters. So she had this really interesting backstory, moved to LA, was working for the LA Times. And while she was at the LA Times, started working on this story, which then became a book. And now she's like a major expert on the subject. 
subject of, you know, the Nazi plunder of art and the restitution. And so, but the, but anyway, so she was in my book club for a relatively short period of time. And then she and her husband moved back to Mexico city, which I believe is where they live now. But, um, she was just like writing and finishing this book during the brief time that I knew her. So I was always interested to see how well the book did and then very happy to see that it was turned into a movie because it is a fascinating story. And I know how much she put into the original research just to get a lot of this documented to begin with. So that's that well is- worth well worth your time. I mean, I thought we've both my husband and I thought it was an excellent movie. We were surprised how much we enjoyed it. So okay, uh, so I that's that's what I want to say. All right, very interesting. All right, well, we're going to have to wrap it up on that note. Uh, good movie tip. Uh, let's see, Julie, are you and Leanne have a show, yes, we will show have coming a show up this week? Tuesday, and we're going to do a, a double header, uh, review of Outlander because, uh, Leanne was away, was traveling. So we are, we're going to have a lot of Outlander on our Tuesday show. All right, Monica, you got anything exciting planned this week? 450 minutes of exercise. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Monica. Okay, I've got 450 hours of airplane travel. Uh, I am actually going to Indonesia this week. And, uh, but you know, it's relaxing to go to Indonesia for two days. So that's, (laughs) (laughs) that'll be good. Uh, So I'll be back next weekend, back in my spot here, uh, doing, doing the show we love to do. Anyway, so if you want to keep in touch with everything we're up to, you should like our Facebook page because everything gets announced on the Facebook page. You should join our Facebook group so that you can join in and post whatever you want there. You can follow us uh, on Twitter. We are at Sat Sisters. And as we said earlier, that what we love the most is when you share our show with your own Satellite Sisters. So sort of be be empowered to do that. That would be a, a great thing to do. Uh, remember, all you need is love. Uh, we are the Satellite Sisters. Don't forget, call your Satellite Sister.